coffee, put a period on your sentences, and let's, let's gather and begin. Morning, Doug. How are you doing? Okay, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this morning. We're so grateful for how you have assembled the body exactly the way that you want it. And your cry to us is as members to exercise in the gifts and the strengths and the talents that you have given us um, and recognize that that is actually in weakness, but in that weakness, you are strong, we are strong. Father, will you use this time to grow us in our understanding of the body that you have given us um, called Ascension Presbyterian Church, and will you remind us again of the reasons why and the purpose for the gifts that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. In some ways, um, this morning is, uh, well, the, this morning is the beginning of the end. I was thinking about Cindy Capshaw flying home from London on Friday after having been stuck many days in, uh, in London because of her daughter's sickness and, uh, I guess, snow and tires frozen on runways or whatever it was. And, uh, and I was thinking about how on, as she was approaching Seattle, she heard this sound. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign in preparation for our final approach into Seattle. Please return your seats and tray tables to their upright and locked positions. Turn off your and store your portable electronic devices because we're getting ready to land. And that's where we are. We are getting ready to land our class. We've been on a journey for eight weeks and we're kind of making the turn. You can look out the window and we can see the runway. We can go, okay, we're about to touch down. And next week will be touchdown, and you guys can all applaud. Granted, it will be, we will be one hour late, because next week is, uh, uh, it starts daylight savings time. So I apologize for the fact that your flight will be uh, landing late. Um, but I have no control over that. Apparently, we had headwinds. So anyway, uh, all joking aside, it, it is important to recognize where we are in our process because what we're going to be focusing on today absolutely sets up where we're going next week. And of course, where we've been, I hope, sets up where we are today. So every step of the way, I hope, has been progressively moving us forward in, in our understanding of, of spiritual gifts. Um, last week, or the previous two weeks, we did some what I felt was pretty important stuff. And from some of the, the, uh, the feedback that I heard from folks, um, it sounded to me like it was fairly impactful. Just a quick review. Um, I talked a little bit about my, uh, my spiritual gift of administration. Theo talked about his spiritual gift of discernment. Um, let's see, Anna talked about intercession. Uh, Jeff talked about knowledge. Uh, Joyce and Emily talked about faith. And Kathy talked about service and helps. I want to just remind us what the point of that exercise, I mean, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of space, real estate, so to speak, in terms of this class to devote to that. But I want to be clear that, I want to make sure that we're clear on why we took so much time for that exercise. And number one is 
I wanted us to continue to work to break through and break down the taboo of talking about our spiritual gifts. Now, I'm not sure that anybody thinks it's a sin to talk about our spiritual gifts, but it sure isn't the first place we go. It sure isn't, at least in, in, in my experience and certainly in this church, I've had very few conversations over my 11 plus years in the, or almost 11 years in this church about discussions about spiritual gifts. It's okay for us to talk about it. And doing it publicly like that, having pe- people risk reputation and all sorts of other things to talk about it, I hope kind of broke down some of those walls or whatever, whatever those things are that are the barriers to us being able to explore and talk about spiritual gifts. Number two is to give us a little bit more insight into, into the spiritual gifts and maybe spiritual gifts that you don't have. That's been one of the main points of our whole experience in this class. I may know what mine are, but do I know what other people's are? And do I even understand what intercession is? Do I understand what administration is? Do I understand what knowledge is? And so starting to unpack that. And then third, I wanted to model a conversation and provide a starting point for you to have your own conversations. That's why I gave you the list of questions. I want to encourage you to take what you saw here and go and do it 10 times better. Go do it over coffee. Go do it at, you know, at your dinner table. Go do it sitting on your, in your backyard this summer, um, around your fire pit or whatever. It's okay to have these conversations and use this, what you saw up here, as just a beginning place, a model. Um, what didn't happen here and what didn't get modeled was the, 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 uh, the back and forth. You know, Anna didn't get to say, well, tell me about your gifts, Bob right? That we admit we didn't get that conversation, right? So that's going to be on you, on you guys. So that's the reason why we went there and why we spent uh, an hour and a half over, uh, over two weeks on that. It's, it, for me, it was that important to spend that much time, and I hope you are walking away recognizing that that's a priority. So today's class is titled, You're Not Always What I Want, But You Are Always What I Need. Maybe, oh my gosh, maybe 21 years ago, I went to a, um, a men's retreat with Antioch uh, Bible Church. And the only thing that I remember from that retreat is the, uh, the teacher's statement, you're not what I need. You're not always what I want, but you're always what I need. And he was talking about it in reference to his wife. And how God had put his wife in his life to refine him, to shape him, to help him to see his sin, to help him to, to grow in righteousness and Christ-likeness. And I remember him saying very clearly, and I looked at Helen and I said, Helen, you are not always what I want, but you are always what I need. And that's where I want us to think about our relationships with one another today. If that applies to your marriage, go for it. Take it. Apply it. I think it does. But in the context of our relationships as a church, as members of a body, I think it's okay. In fact, I want to encourage us to recognize that I may not always want you, but what Jesus tells us and Paul tells us throughout, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians, Romans, etc., 
is that I need you whether I want you or not. Did the guy talk about how long he was in the hospital? <laughs> no. <laughs> we need to continue. We, we need to recognize that sometimes people and their gifts and their personalities and talents are inconvenient to us. They challenge us. They make us uncomfortable. But if what Paul tells us is that God had, has placed the members of the body exactly where he wants them, then we have to look at what does that challenge represent in our lives. And I may not be very happy with what you're doing or you're not doing. Where do I have to look? Where's the first place I should look? Me. What is God doing in me? And I would encourage that that's not, <laughs> it's not just me. It's all of us need to be willing to, to look at that. We need to continue to keep our attention not on our personal gifts and not just on knowing each other's gifts, but on appreciating and valuing each other's gifts. I'm going to take a little bit of a rabbit trail here and, and get on, on my, one of my hobby horses just for a second. But this principle is one of the reasons why I am not personally a big fan of, of the church language of assimilation. You know what assimilation is? Church, churches talk about it all the time. When new people walk through the door, we want to assimilate them. We want to um, bring them in and make them one of us. They need to, and basically the fundamental principle behind assimilation is you need to become one of us. You need to come and fit in. And I want to argue, and I think in your leadership, I, I know we've talked about this, I, and I believe they, they agree with this principle, is that really where we should be thinking is about engrafting, not assimilation. When somebody walks through the door and, and, and starts to become part of ascension, they are not just becoming a part of us. They are here to change us. We should be different because they're here, not just change them because they're here. And when you engraft a branch from another apple tree, when you engraft a Fuji apple branch into a, give me another tree name, delicious, delicious it changes the tree. And now that tree bears different fruit than it did before. You, you following that logic? And so, in the same way, when people come in, we should expect that we are different because they are here. We are different as a body because Alita is here. And we are better because Alita is here. And we are better because she produces, she produces the fruit that she does in the power of the Holy Spirit. We grow. We are better. And Alita changes us. And Christy changes us, and Kyle changes us. And we, including them, are now different. And that is the way that I want to encourage us to be thinking in terms of our spiritual gifts. When we look at ascension as a whole, we've got to recognize that just like just like God has, in the way that God has assembled the parts exactly the way he wants it, the fact is that we are the description, that how we are assembled defines who we are. And very often we can look at our church 
And we could say, well, we should be doing more of this. Or I don't understand why it's so hard for us to. Or, boy, we are, that is, we are really good there. We, that, is, that is absolutely our strength as a church. We ought to do more of that. Or why don't we ever? Or something's wrong. We don't ever. And I guess there can be a lot of different reasons for that. Sin, forgetfulness, inattention, not enough people stepping up, the Lord not ready for us to do it. I don't know. There can be a lot of reasons. But I want us to look at how God has uniquely made ascension and how, he is, how, is, how he's arranged those parts and how he is asking us to recognize who we are now and grow in being okay with where we are now and recognize that God will still want to do more in terms of changing us and growing us. We're going to talk about, for, um, sounds like I'm changing subjects, I'm not, but I want to come back, I want to come to this point um, real quickly. We're going to look at the aggregate results of our spiritual gifts inventories, but I want to remind you about a couple things about those spirit, spiritual gifts inventories. Number one, it ain't a perfect tool. I knew that when I decided to pick that one. I knew that when I handed it to you. I've had conversations with many of you about the imperfections of it. It is an imperfect tool. Just like the other six or seven that I looked at and took, they're all imperfect tools. You, we would have had the same experience regardless of which tool I picked. I picked this one primarily because it supported the goals and objectives that I had for this class and some of the support information that was around it in terms of definitions, et cetera, et cetera, were very helpful. Recognize, too, that it's subjective. It's based on your responses to the statements. Not mine, yours. That's okay. If you didn't like the results, okay. You, you're going to have to kind of look at that. Maybe that's a function of the tool. Maybe that's a function of how you were feeling that day. Maybe that's a function of how you just interpreted the questions. It's okay, but that can also be a reason why you may have gotten different results than you thought you should have or that you were disappointed in. And some of you, I know, got exactly the results you thought you would, you would get. Recognize that there, it's okay that there's, there may have been a difference between what you thought it should be or what you wanted it to be and the results. And then I want to remind you of another thing, and that is the highlighted scores that you got in your score results. Remember those highlights? Some of you got, three of them were highlighted, and some of you, there were six highlighted. And in between, all of us had different, different numbers of areas highlighted. I want to underscore the fact that there was no statistical methodology to deciding which one of those gifts should be highlighted. I basically took the highest percentage scores and said, where does the break seem to be? How are these grouped? And I made some somewhat arbitrary, but at the same time informed decisions on which one I was going to highlight for you. You can disagree with that. It's okay. I'm not saying, and you shouldn't walk away saying, well, wow, I had five highlighted. I've got five gifts. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, pay attention to those five as ones that you want to be evaluating. And maybe even pay attention to the next two or three and say, well, they're in that, they're, 
they're close. Maybe I should be paying attention to those too. Remember, our whole point here is not to be definitive. It is simply to stir our thinking and exploration of our spiritual gifts. So, I want to take us all the way back to the beginning. And I would like you to pull out your, if you don't have it, take out your Bible, but your uh, spiritual gifts verses. And let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12. In the second page of 1 Corinthians 12, of the, of the handout of the booklet, um, it's, so it would be verse 14, though it doesn't say it in your booklet. It starts, For the body does not consist of one member, but of member, many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, this, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? It is there, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have, no need, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. It's appropriate for us to look at this passage recognizing that, that there are two two dimensions to think about the body of Christ. There's the universal body of Christ, the entire church, right? Throughout all ages, those that are asleep and waiting for the coming of Christ and those that are awake and living on this earth now. And it's also appropriate to recognize and to think of the body of Christ as Ascension Presbyterian Church. And that's where, obviously, where we're going to be focusing today. Paul, Paul's use of the term body is so awesome. Think about that picture for a second. You have a body. Every one of us has a body. We experience it every day. All day, every day. We know what it's like to be strong. We know what it's like to be weak. I'm talking about physically, the body. We know what it's like to have parts that work better than others. Anybody ever had an injury? Every, anybody ever had, had to go into the hospital for surgery? Yeah. We know what it's like. And so what happens when there's an injury? What happens when there's a part of the body that's hurting or that's weaker? What happens? The what? 
the whole body feels weaker. The whole body might feel pain. Doug? The whole body doesn't function the way it was meant to. Exactly right. The body doesn't, isn't, when there's a weaker piece or a broken piece, the body has to make adjustments in order to try and compensate and to try and help that weaker member grow, develop, strengthen. This is a beautiful picture. The whole body accommodates the weaker members. And I think it's part of what, what Paul's saying here. And I also think that it's easy for us to look at um, a particular member and go, oh, I see what Paul means. There, there he is, Theo. Theo, he's the weaker member, right? Yeah. Well, and I'm going to say right now, that's absolutely true. But I'm going to say it because recognizing that every one of us are weaker members at various times. We are not necessarily always chronically the weaker member. And so what does the body need to do with that weaker member? Adjust, accommodate, build up, compensate, love, protect, care. Isn't that exactly what you do when you have a sprained ankle? Isn't that exactly what you do when you have, pick your, pick your malady, pick your physical s- struggle? This picture is so beautiful because every one of us lives it physically. And it is our responsibility to look around and recognize Peter, he's a hand. How can I strengthen him? How can I love him? How can I encourage him? But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose, in their strengths and in their weaknesses. So how has God arranged APC? Lots of ways that we could look at that. We can look at it in terms of our strengths. We can look at it in terms of our weaknesses. We can look at it in terms of our struggle, our finances. I'm going to argue today that we need to look at it through our, our uh, spiritual gifts. And therein lies your first handout. So let's go there. It's the color-coded one. And basically, this is a list of the spiritual gifts all the way to the left in rank order of the frequency that we responded as a church in terms of our, our scores. So, for example, just to read the first line, faith. On the spiritual gift of faith, 23 individuals in this church had highlights on their sheet. It doesn't mean they have the gift. It just means that it's highlighted as a, uh, on the upper end in terms of how people responded, 23 out of 41 of us, over half, who responded, may have the gift of faith. And if they don't have the spiritual gift of faith, they certainly have a strength. They are certainly leaning that direction in terms of how God has built them. 
And if we keep going over to the right, you'll notice that that represents about 56% of the body. Now, let's keep going down that list. I'm sorry, you're right, 41. Let me just say that there were 41 respondents, and when I went back through and looked at all regular, attender, regular attenders, this represented about 52%, little over half of all the regular attenders. Does that give us anything definitive? No. But I think it, it gives me a bit more confidence in terms of our ability to be able to kind of extrapolate these numbers a bit and think about, think a little bit uh, more, with more confidence about how God has built us as a body. Looking at hospitality, hospitality, 20 respondents said, or they had a highlight of hospitality and so forth. All the way down to, look at the bottom, evangelism, spiritual gift of evangelism, one person. One person highlighted the gift of evangelism. That does, does that mean that, no, that nobody else has the gift of evangelism? No. That's not what that means. It just means that in terms of the highlights, that's just a way that we're counting it, okay? At the same time, I don't think there's any way we could look at this list and say, evangelism, that is one of our strengths. We are so strong. We are so gifted as a church in evangelism. This does say something about how God has uniquely arranged the parts of the body and their corresponding possible gifts, given where we're at right now and where we are in our process of understanding and discerning our gifts, how he has arranged it. Now, one other thing that I want to point out here is that I've given you three different color codes, two columns of three different color codes, and I want to explain those to you. One, the first thing I did was I said, well, what does, what does this represent? So I said, let's divide it by three. Let's look at what are the gifts, what are the top six gifts, what are the next six gifts, and, and what are the bottom seven gifts? And then, well, that just broke out into red, yellow, and green. You can see that. But then I thought, okay, well, let's look at the frequency. In terms of the number of responses... We had 181 responses. So I divided that by, by three, just to look at thirds. And it's really interesting to me personally that 62, about one-third of the responses, were in the top three gifts, faith, hospitality, and teaching. You following my, my logic here? Is this making sense? And then the next third, in terms of total responses, or the total highlights, are serving, shepherding, knowledge, and giving. And notice where that line is. That line stops at the top one-third of all the gifts. And then the final one-third of responses are the, the rest of the gift of, uh, list of gifts. Now, I want to stop here for a second. Are there questions that I can answer for you just in terms of this, this simple, maybe too simple in some ways, um, tool? Doug? Yeah, I, I don't get the, the responses by gifts as compared to the aggregation in the right-hand column because certainly if I take the numbers in the second column and total them up, they don't total the numbers in the third column. I mean, they do overall when you get to, there's 181, mm -hmm. but the distribution doesn't look right to me. Yeah. 
So if you take the, t that's a great distinction. That's a great point. Let me just clarify. So you've got faith, hospitality, and teaching. 23, 20, and 19 should add up to 62. Oh, okay. And then 17, 15, 14, and 12. Yep. Pink to pink, yellow to yellow. No, I get it. I get it. And I'm, thanks for. Now say it again. So the top third of the responses represents the first three gifts on the list. Okay. Any other questions? Okay, and then, and then the next four represent the 58? Yes. And then everything else is the 61? That's correct. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so we're now going to do your favorite thing. I'm going to ask you to break up into three groups. And I'm going to ask you to have a conversation with one another your second favorite thing. And I want you to look at three questions, and I'd encourage you to, to write at least some notes about this. I'll come back. I'll be coming around. But I'd like for you as groups to look at what are your observations about how God has arranged the spiritual gifts at APC? How has God, what do you see in these patterns about how God has arranged the spiritual gifts at APC? How should this impact how we view ourselves as a church? How should this impact how we view ourselves as a church? And what should our response be to those areas in which we are stronger or weaker as a church, as a body? How should we respond to those areas that as a body we are weaker or stronger? I'm not going to assign groups. I'm going to let you guys figure it out. That's part of, this is a body exercise. The body gets to figure out how to, how to make this happen. But let's just break up into three groups. You guys circle up, square up, stand up, however you want to do it. Ken? Let's do it. Let's go ahead and... One minute. Okay. Okay, I need to, I apologize, but I need to, to cut it off. Um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and I'm going to ask each group if you would uh, quickly elect a, a spokesman. And let's, let's just do a quick summary. 
Thank, thanks, Bob. So for, um, for our group, uh, we started off on hospitality was the initial observation. And um, sort of the observation was, well, it, it's interesting that we're strong in hospitality when um, we're in a Seattle or, or a region like Seattle that's known for being introverted or not overly friendly. And so the thought was, well, maybe that's, um, you know, that's a way that we can connect and, and be a service to our community as we grow in that. The other observation was that um, a couple of people were surprised that we were high in hospitality and observed that um, we're good at the introductions and welcoming people, but um, have some challenges in sustaining that, finding ways to sustain that so that there is some opportunity to grow there. And, and then um, quickly, the other comment was on um, leadership and evangelism. So not surprised that we were really low in evangelism or maybe surprised that there was a person that was good in evangelism. And, um, and then uh, that leadership was low. And then a couple of thoughts coming out of that in terms of what should our response be. Um, we talked about finding ways to do what we're doing now, which is just affirm people in those gifts by way of encouragement, and then also um, uh, mentoring, finding those of us that are, that are strong in an area and finding more practical ways to um, grab somebody and help them along in uh, growing in a particular area. I love that. That's awesome. Really good work, you guys. Theo, you, I heard you got elected. I didn't get hear what I got elected to do. Just answer the three questions mm -hmm. as our group did? Okay, sure. So the first one uh, we looked at and, um, you know, we, we were reflecting on a number of things. One was how the exile people have, you know, landed in our church. And uh, I guess a couple observations there was, one was um, that the exile church probably would have a similar gift structure mm -hmm. as our church does. So it's almost like a lateral move. Um, and another one is that, for example, with hospitality, it's difficult for people to come in here. I think Christy said that, come in here and then not be noticed and not have someone talk to them. You can't escape out of here without somebody catching you. Um, can't hide. <laughs> right, right. So, so those are some observations. Obviously, you know, uh, evangelism's low and, and we had some discussion about, you know, it's, it's disappointing. It'd be nice if, if that were higher. Um, other denominations, one person said, you know, probably have a completely different mix based on their churches. Maybe a Pentecostal church would be different than our church. And there were some comments about, you know, the survey maybe or the questions were from a reform perspective, and maybe they reflect that. Could be. Maybe a lot of reform churches would have this type of makeup. Mm -hmm. Not sure what else you want to hear. That's fine. Okay. Great. Somebody from this group. So we uh, ignored Bob's questions and just did our own thing. Are you surprised, Bob? Dude, no. Okay. <laughs> two, two nuggets I took away, I think that we did as a group. Um, and they surround the question, well, what do we do with the bottom? Um, we don't like having those kind of weaknesses. We want more evangelism and leadership and apostleship. And, and uh, so there's, it came down to pray, praying, 
praying for people to come here who have those gifts. And then and Tim brought up a good point about our Heavenly Father who delights in giving gifts to his people. And it prompted us to wonder out loud together, well, why don't we pray? Because we're also encouraged by Paul to aspire to the greater gifts and not just content ourselves with tongues. Like we want more than that. Mm -hmm. um, and so to ask the Lord individually and as a church, Lord, give, give us this gift of evangelism. Give me this gift of whatever that I desire for your glory. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. First of all, thank you all so much for engaging this with, with, with such hearty energy. My only regret is that I talked way too much and didn't give you more time to be able to engage it, which just means now the onus is back on you to have, continue the conversation in small groups, in community groups, and over coffee, etc. I guess there are a couple comments that I just want to throw out there. Number one, it would be easy to look at this and say, well, we only have one person with a gift of evangelism. Well, I guess that's okay because we don't really need to, we need to evangelize, but we only got one. So yeah, it's not, we're, not, we're not accountable for that. That's just how God made us. Remember the concept that we talked about, which was the difference between spiritual gifts, talents, and skills. We're talking about kind of the upper end of specialized gifting that doesn't necessarily give the rest of a, take the rest of us off the hook in terms of developing the skill and building talent or, build, or exercising those skills of, evan of evangelism, for example. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't have the gift of evangelism. There is no doubt in my mind that I do not have that gift. However, that does not take me off the hook and, in fact, puts more responsibility on me to be conscious and intentional about the people that I am pursuing and growing a relationship with and building opportunity and establishing foundation and framework of relationship, etc., to be able to talk about the gospel. That is on me regardless of whether I have the gift of evangelism. And I'm going to argue for many of these gifts, by the way, not all of them, but many of these gifts, that is the way that it is. Mercy is another example. Mercy is a non-negotiable. You are called to, to serve others in mercy. Just because you do not have the gift of mercy does not mean that you do not have a responsibility and you are off the hook or we are off the hook. I think the second thing that I want to say in wrapping up is recognizing that just because the gift did not get highlighted and just because you may not feel or experience gifting in a particular area doesn't mean that there aren't latent gifts that you have not been experiencing or exercising. And I think that's, that's, in the long run, one of the places that we should be paying attention to. I did not know that I had the gift of leadership. I know my, I know my uh, spiritual gifts inventory doesn't say that I have the spiritual gift of leadership, but I'm pretty confident that that has been affirmed in the life of the body of Christ. I did not know it until I began to experiment with it and practice it and develop skiffs, 
uh, skills and, and learn about it and learn how to exercise it. And then is when I discovered that spirit, I, to begin with, that I might have the spiritual gift of leadership. And as I continue to exercise it, it became clearer and clearer and clearer. And I guess my point just is, for years, that was a latent spiritual gift. Does that make sense? And so that's part of the, part of this exercise in, from my perspective is recognizing, yes, we need to exercise our spiritual gifts, but there's a whole host of other things that we are called to that we need to begin and continue to practice for the good of the body and for, um, for our mission as a church, which is my perfect segue for next week where we will be talking about spiritual gifts in light of the vision and mission of the church. Now, I'm going to tell you that I left some stuff on the cutting room floor today um, that we're going to come back to because it's pretty important. So we're going to start next week with a relatively brief discussion about how do we exercise these gifts with one another? What are some principles that we should be paying attention to? The last two pages of your packet that you got today, one was the vision and mission statement, and the other is a list of um, typical jobs in evangelical churches in the United States of America and corresponding gifts. Again, this is not my list. This is a list that I borrowed from somebody else. Um, I've just reformatted it so it's a bit more readable. It's, the purpose of it is for you, for us, to look through it and stir our imagination, stir our thinking for ourselves individually and for each other about how we exercise our gifts in the roles and jobs and tasks and so forth that it takes to run a church. There are things on this list that I promise you Ascension Presbyterian Church will never do. We won't, we, some of these things, I promise you, we'll never do. On the other hand, there are a number of these things that may not be that title, but they are things that we are doing or will need to be doing as we continue to grow. Okay, let me pray, and we'll prepare our hearts for worship. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for these saints who have so strenuously and energetically engaged the questions and the topics in the discussions related to your work among us and what you are calling us and how you have defined us and, and built us as your church here in Edmonds. So, Father, will you continue this conversation? Will you continue to stir our hearts and our minds for your good, for our good and your glory? In Jesus' name, amen.